Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Friends, we're so thankful for this opportunity to talk about why we're so thankful. Uh, we're, we recognize that the way we, you walk through life has a lot to do even more so than what happens to you uh, with how you respond, how you view things. And today we want to talk about gratitude and how in many instances, gratitude is under attack. Uh, we find this in many places uh, that we are told more and more that we should have things. And when we don't have things, uh, we feel frustration and anger. And we're not told in as many places that we should count our blessings. So I hope we can come together today as a community that wants to learn together how to count our blessings and would encourage you, one of the great ways to do this is to be a part of the daily Bible reading plan to start your day counting your blessings. And we have picked out scriptures for this week specifically designed to help you count your blessings. So if you don't have the Bible reading plan yet, you can pick one up at the information center or you can find it at concordunited.org Bible. There you'll also find daily devotions that go along to help us all count our blessings. Uh, because surprisingly enough, counting your blessings is even more important than counting your money. Uh, counting your blessings can, can save your life. And I want to tell you what's trying to steal our gratitude. It's something called consumer culture. And consumer culture tells us that we should have certain things. And we should have them when we want them for the price that we want them. And here's the problem uh, with, with that. Consumer culture really develops just from good advertisers, right? An abundance of, of good advertisers attempting to get us to buy their product. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some of you are in the, the advertising business. It's a noble business. In fact, I often talk to you uh, and ask you advice on how we can best present our church uh, to the public and help people get to know us. But when we live in a culture uh, where it is insinuated a thousand times a day that if we can just acquire something, for a certain price, it will bring us joy and gratitude. There's a certain disillusionment that comes along with that because we try it. And we find that the products we acquire work fairly well for, for the most part. Sometimes extremely well. And yet, somehow, they don't deliver on that promise to bring us joy and gratitude and somehow we walk through life continually thinking we should have more and more and it should be easier and easier for us to acquire it even though we live at a standard of living that the richest people on earth 120 years ago never imagined enjoying. We, most of us live uh, with uh, more luxuries than the kings and queens of the old ages and yet somehow we, we constantly feel like we don't have quite enough. Uh, we look at people and their pictures that they post online and we think, I don't, I don't take trips quite like that, right? 
Um, I, I don't, our family doesn't look quite, quite like that. Um, and somehow we think we're missing out. So, somehow we think that somehow there's something out there that everybody else has that has been withheld from us. We think life owes us something. Uh, like it's constantly, life is constantly picking on us. Uh, and so we let that frustration become resentment. And we let that resentment become anger. And we let that anger blind us to the blessings of God all around us. So I want you to know today that there are many elements of our culture that are actively at work trying to steal your gratitude. And I want you to ask yourself, how will I protect my gratitude? How, how am I going to protect it? Because whether I have a grateful heart or not is going to affect where when others encounter, whether when others encounter me they see joy or whether they see anger, uh, whether they see love or selfishness, uh, whether they see a servant's heart of empathy or whether uh, they see uh, someone bent on manipulation. Uh, this gratitude has, has so much to do with who we are. And a lot of whether we can experience it or not has to do with the scripts that we run in our head that we're taught about life. Like, it should work out this way, right? I was told if I did this, it would work out this way. Uh, I have the privilege uh, this fall, and it is an incredibly high privilege, of coaching an eight and under little league basketball team. And we have some boys who are really good players. And we have some boys who have never played before. And we have had one boy on the team and he, he, he's very astute. He, he wants to do the right thing very badly, but he hadn't played much before. So he really was listening every time I spoke and he wanted to know exactly what he was supposed to do in certain situations. And so we had our, our first little scrimmage and he was ready and he knew what to do. And if you've ever coached little league sports, you, you know how this works. You plan and you teach this great strategy. And then you, you begin playing and it is just a mass of humanity crowded around the ball. And this mass of humanity moves this way and then it, then it moves this way. And so we began playing, and of course, it wasn't all neat and orderly. Like when we were just practicing, it was fairly chaotic. And we, we took a break, and I could tell he was a little distraught. And I said to him, I said, hey, buddy, what's up? And he said, it, did, it didn't happen like, it didn't work like I think it would. He said, I, I, I thought I would be able to do this, and I couldn't. And I thought other people would do this, and they didn't. And I could tell his, his desire to do what was right uh, and, and to do well was just so high. And his frustration with not being able to do what he thought was right in the scrimmage was, was, was getting high, and he was beginning to get overwhelmed. And I said, hey, I, I need you to know something if you're going to be a basketball player. It, it never works in a game like it does in practice. It, it, it doesn't, but... Here's the great news. We're here and, and we get to play a game. And isn't it fun that we get to play? And he said, well, yeah. I said, okay. So here's all I want you to do. I want you to go out there and do your best and have fun. 
And he, he went out there and he joined the mass of humanity going from one side to the other and he, he seemed okay with it. And, and one day, by the grace of God, uh, we will dribble the ball without walking and uh, we, we, we may even, I will tell you, if we ever set a legal screen, I will come in to this sanctuary and I will fall on my knees at this altar and I will say, Lord, I've seen the glory you have prepared from the, before the foundation of creation. I give you thanks. But we will play a game and we will give God thanks that we can play that game together. That's not unlike life. We come to church and we go to school and we go to work and we have this idea of how it should all work. And then we try our best to do the, what we're supposed to do so that it works that way. And then we do it. And a lot of times life doesn't work that way. And we end up ready to throw our hands up and say, what in the world is going on here? We become so angry. We rage at God. We take it out on others. And then we, we need to come back. And we need to look at what's this gift we've been given? Was it so it could work out a certain way? Or is there something more here that we're missing? I, I want to read you a story about some people who had reason to be gratitude. And some of them got it and some of them missed it. In fact, the scary thing about this story is there's a 90% fail rate. But there's a 10% success rate. So let's listen for that 10%. Uh, this comes to us from the, the book of Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jer Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. So if you're not familiar with leprosy in the New Testament, of course, it's a skin disease, and back then, it made you ceremonially unclean. You had to live outside the town as an outcast in a leper colony, only around other lepers who had a similar disease. Uh, you were estranged from your family. Uh, you had very little means of providing for yourself economically. It basically took, it took your life away uh, when, when you received it. And so the, the, they're crying out. They've, they've heard maybe Jesus can heal. Picking up with verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. If you've had leprosy and you're, you believe you've been healed, in that day and age, you went to the priest and you came and said, I want you to look. And the priest was the one who could give you a clean bill of health that would then allow you to re-enter society. So he heals them. They're made clean. They've, they've been given their life back. But they had a life sentence, and suddenly they're free. They've been given their life back. Then, uh, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. So what happens is they went perhaps several, uh, perhaps a mile or so uh, to where the priest was maybe several miles, and they were pronounced clean. And then one realizes what has happened, and he turns around. And he goes back to Jesus. He prostrated himself. He falls face first at Jesus' feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. He was not a Jew. He had a very different religion uh, fr from the Jews. 
The Jews didn't like the Samaritans at all. Uh, Jews and Samaritans uh, were kind of like in Ireland, uh, Catholics and Protestants. They had developed that type of hatred and that type of difficult history with one another, uh, like what we often see in that part of the world. And it was this Samaritan who went back to this Jewish rabbi to give thanks. Picking up with verse 17, then Jesus asked, were not 10 made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. We find in this passage that there's a big difference between gratitude and happiness. Gratitude is very different than happiness. I would guess that all of these lepers were very happy. They were all uh, very joyful uh, about what had been done to them. Uh, that Their life had been taken away and now it was, was given back. And yet only one was grateful. Many of them may have felt uh, when they were healed like, well, it's about time, right? Have any of y'all ever said that you, you have a great gift, a good thing happens to you, uh, and, and, and your response is, well, it's about time. You, you know what that response means when you say, well, it's about time? It means you're saying, I've deserved this for a long time, right? So I'm not really getting a gift. I'm getting something I deserved, and actually I'm getting it late, but I will accept it. I'm not going to give it back. I'm, I'm going to keep it, but it's about time, that's, that's not what the Samaritan said. He recognized that someone had done something for him. And maybe the fact that he was a Samaritan helped him see it. Maybe the fact that the man who healed him was supposed to hate him helped him see how much he had to be grateful for. Sometimes we can come to church and we can say, well, I do all the things a good church person is supposed to do. Of course God should bless me. And sometimes someone who doesn't go to church, when God blesses them, it's easier for them to see that it's an undeserved gift. It's, it's just a, a, now not in all cases, but I hope that we're the type of church, I hope that we're the type of Christians who don't develop a consumer culture in our faith, who don't decide that, God, I will do this if you will do that. Right? I will do this for you if you will do that for me. That's, that's not Christianity. There are many religions out there that work like that. There are a lot of religions that you can find that will tell you, if you will do this, this will happen for you. Christianity isn't one of those. Christianity says what we said at Olivia's baptism. God's already done everything for you. God's done everything. More than you can ask or imagine. And if you spent the rest of your life being perfect, you couldn't pay God back for it. So be thankful. And spend the rest of your life being grateful and thankful and, and joyful. And, and that's, that's how you'll give back. And never decide that somehow you deserved it. I love how God created us. God created us so dependent. There are, there are species that are created where when they're born, they can take care of themselves. God could have made us like that. It wouldn't have been difficult for God to make us like that. God made us the most dependent of all species. Uh, we, we have the longest adolescence of, of any species. And uh, for the longest time, 
We are dependent upon others. Do you think God did that by accident? I, I, I don't think God did. Do you think God did that because God can look down and see in all our houses and God's like, you know, the teenage years create great drama between kids and parents. I, I just enjoy watching it. You know, let's extend this season of life. It's, it's fascinating. No, God didn't do that. God created it. We were beautifully, wonderfully, fearfully made. God did that for a reason. God did that to teach us something. That we should be, we should be grateful for others. We go into this life completely dependent upon others. And for most of us, we will leave this life completely dependent upon others in our last days. And what my hope is that each day of our lives, we will realize just how dependent we are on God and others. And we will walk through this life with gratitude. Now, I want you to know if you want to walk through life with gratitude, it's about much more than a mindset. It's about much more than a feeling. It's a mindset. Uh, we, we feel joy. We feel happiness. But gratitude is a mindset. Uh, it's walking through life recognizing uh, that I've already been given everything uh, more than I could ever hope for. And I, I simply want to uh, be, live gratefully. One of my favorite stories about this, and if you're part of our daily devotions, I had the joy of writing a devotion coming up this week on, on this story. I, I love it. And it just reminded me of what, what a mindset it is. It, it comes to us from uh, the book of 2 Kings, the seventh chapter, and it's about King David. And as you know, King David was one of the most powerful kings in the Old Testament. He, he really esta helped establish the kingdom of Israel as a significant political force in the ancient Middle East. Uh, he, he helped build, like never before, uh, the capital of Jerusalem. And there he decided he wanted to build a temple. The, this temple, it was going to be David's legacy. Uh, he was taking on the most ambitious building project ever. The most noble building project ever. And everyone forever and ever was going to look at this temple. And they were going to think of how great David was. And more than that, David was a man after God's own heart. David sincerely wanted to honor and wanted to glorify God. And forever, they had worshipped in a tent, right? They carried around this big tent. Have you, have you ever been to a tent revival, right? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool for a week, right? It's pretty cool for a week. Uh, it's not real cool in the winter. Don't have many of those in the winter. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not real cool at the first of August, but if you get it just the right time of year, it's pretty neat. David said, we've had enough of that. We want to come indoors. We want to build something that the rest of the world will come and look at and will say, this is one of the wonders of the world. And not just that, this is one of the wonders of God. And he was going to build it. And God shows up. God's like, David, you're not the guy. David's like, no, 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 I, I'm the guy. I'm King David. I'm, I'm the guy. And God's like, David, you're not the guy. You've, you've got too much blood on your hands. You're, you're after my own heart. But you've, 
you've slaughtered a lot of people. You've made a lot of mistakes in the process. It's not the right time or place for this temple to be built by you. It's going to be built. In fact, it's going to be built by your son, but it's not going to be built by you. So there's David is with his disappointment, right? And David shows us what a grateful mindset looks like. Because the second half of that chapter, we expect it to be, David to be going, why God, I can't believe this God. After all I did for you God, after how I trusted you God, you remember when I went and fought Goliath for you God? Uh, do you remember that? Do you remember when I had to hide in caves uh, with a bunch of outcasts because uh, the king Saul was chasing me all because you had anointed me to be king? You remember that God? I did all that for, for you God. Uh, do you remember when uh, my own son uh, tried to overthrow me uh, and Absalom, my son, was killed in the rebellion. Do you remember that? I, did, I went through all that for, for you, God. Uh, now, why can't I do this? David doesn't say that at all. David sits down, and you can almost hear him laughing. And he says, God, when I think about what you've done for me, I can't believe it. How you took me as a child and you were there for me, the way you've seen me through difficulty, the way you've lifted me up, the victories you've given for me, building a temple, that's a small thing, God, compared to everything else. How can I not be thankful? And you, you almost just, you can literally, as you read the scriptures, you can hear him laughing as he just thinks how unbelievably good God has been. He has a mindset of gratitude. And if you can cultivate that mindset, if you can teach yourself when you're in the middle of disappointment to think about what you're grateful for, to think about how you just have a ridiculously high amount of things to be grateful for, then you can develop that mindset. But there's one other thing about gratitude. Gratitude must be practiced. Gratitude must be practiced. I, I can tell you this. There is a prescription for feeling more If you're like, man, I just don't feel it. What this pastor is talking about, it's okay. It sounds good. That's not me. Like I was born grumpy, Right? Uh, all the pictures of me as a child, I'm going like this. <laughs> a lot of the pictures of me as an adult, I'm going like this. That's, it's, it's just not me. Here's what you, here, I, I want to challenge you. If you will do this, I promise you, you will show up next week and you will feel more grateful. Every day this week, write one thank you note. Every day this week, write one thank you note. I promise you at this time next week, you will feel more grateful. It has to be practiced. It has to be ingrained in, in who we are. Because the more you say thank you, uh, the, more, the more grateful you become. We practice it. That's why when we go down to eat, what do we do? We say a blessing. Is it because we, forgot, we would forget the food was a gift from God if we didn't say the blessing? No. It, is it because if we don't say some blessing, God's going to like poison the food? No. Why do we say our blessing? Because you got to practice gratitude, right? You got to practice thankfulness. You got to practice remembering from, from whom your blessings. That's why we have the Thanksgiving holiday. E even the secular world recognizes it's good to give thanks. And we've, we've got to practice being grateful because we're living in a culture that's trying to steal our gratitude. Friends, uh, it's my prayer that you would live in such a way as Christian witnesses in our world, that you would teach this world that there are some things in life that can't be stolen. There are some things that can't 
be taken away because some gifts are eternal. Let's pray for it. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for everything you have given for us. God, teach us to slow down and to count our blessings. Teach us to be reminded of all the good things that you have given to us. In those times of disappointment, allow us to express our gratitude. Allow us to see how what has been given to us is so much greater and so much more than anything that could ever be taken away from us. And God, may our grateful hearts be displayed in lives of love that point others to the reality of your presence, you, the one from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.